Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. We are off this week. We want to take this opportunity to promote our pals Zach and Dustin over at $2 Late Fee. This is their interview with Kurt McKinney. I hope you enjoy it and we'll see you in our feed next week. Before there was IMDB.com, there was Zach and Dustin. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? Well, that's us, but maybe only for the years 1981 through mid-1989. No, I'd say late 1978 through early 1992. <laughs> Either way, we'd know movies. And even more specifically, we know soundtracks from those movies. Yeah. This is $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. This is the podcast where we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it still holds up today. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Thanks for listening. On to the show. So, hello, sir. How would you say uh, martial arts madness is going so far? Oh, man. I think we got to keep this theme going for every month now. You know, obviously, we chose <laughs> martial art madness because of March Madness. But um, I think it's going... Well, I want to do like a funny pun, like a karate pun. It's going sidekickingly well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well done. You know, from from covering one of our favorite cult martial art movies of all time to interviewing Jesse Cove, who is a rising star, to our interview today. I'm thrilled with the whole martial art madness mayhem. <laughs> How about you? I mean, me too. I I'm feeling a little uh, a little sheepish right now because you mentioned side side kickingly, and uh, we haven't done anything with sidekicks. Oh, yeah. The Ernie Reyes or the Chuck Norris? Either one. Jonathan Brandis, a child who daydreams about Chuck Norris, and then meets Chuck Norris. I mean, that's... Who doesn't love that movie? Very realistic martial arts all the way through. And uh... <laughs> and Joe Piscopo with his shirt off. And who doesn't love a Joe Piscopo with his shirt off? Yeah. So, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe Tasteless Tuesday is Sidekicks. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. For our listeners who don't know about our Instagram page, we we interact on our Instagram page as much as we do on this podcast, That and more so 
the content on there is, dare I say, leaps and bounds above what many would expect on a typical Instagram page. So we've been doing a whole month-long martial arts spotlight of martial art video games, martial art movies, martial art actors, and obviously it kind of culminates with our interview today with the star of No Retreat, No Surrender, the one, the only, Kurt McKinney. You know, as we've discussed all month long, like No Retreat, No Surrender, the pinnacle of good time, nostalgia, martial arts movies, decent martial arts, I mean, above above mediocre, I'd say, above mediocre martial arts, and just a great rip-roaring good time, No Retreat, No Surrender is. So getting the star of that movie was a real auspicious situation for us. It really was, and just for a little behind-the-scenes backstory, Kurt was an actor that we had actually wanted to have on the show for quite a while. I reached out to him and then heard back in the beginning of 2021, much to my very pleasant surprise. And Kurt... I mean, you reached out to him in 1984, right? <laughs> so it's, it's really actually, taken some time, but... Yeah, I tracked so him worth down. It. He was, he was working at the Spaghetti Factory <laughs> on, <laughs> on Sunset uh, with that very famous uh, brown butter sauce, which uh-huh. he, will, he, will, he will give you the recipe in this episode if you're curious. Uh, for those, got to stay till the end, though. You got to stay till the end. <laughs> you got to yep. stay till the end for those Spaghetti Factory fans out there, uh, which, of which there, I'm sure there are, met, are, are many. But uh, yeah, no, I reached out to him a little while back, and it was great that he connected with us. And man, oh man, boy, oh boy, what what a pleasant surprise that we had with him for our well over 60-minute conversation. Like, it, it was great. He told a lot of details about the production of Behind the Scenes of No Retreat, No Surrender, uh, how he got to where he got, what he did after that, things that I really had no clue about. And he's a great storyteller. He is. He is. He was. A, he was a super guest. And uh, no retreat, no surrender. Of course, being his first feature film, and kind of talking about everything that kind of comes along with um, that journey of suddenly finding yourself as the lead in a uh, in a martial arts feature film uh, that was being being highly touted, highly advertised, a lot of money and publicity behind it. And kind of being thrown into the spotlight, and it's always uh, it's always interesting to hear stories like that. Sure is, and he talks a little bit about why he didn't do No Retreat, No Surrender Part Two, and does a very mm. very good impression of JCVD Jean Claude Van Damme. That is definitely a must listen part of the interview. It is, it is, but yeah, it's it's all it's all real good, and I'm not just saying that. Um, I'm saying that as a as a fan of nostalgia martial arts movies education all of it so all right folks it's time for some kurt mckinney good times so gird your loins and hold on to that vision and hold on to that vision in the loins of your eyes gird them buckle up enjoy kurt mckinney can't wait I've got an L.A. Times of full thing of me and Jean-Claude for No Retreat, No Surrender, middle page, whole page, and the other side is Sylvester Stallone and Cobra. Oh, my God. Wow. Now, that's a one-two punch. Side by side, and we were like, wow, that's cool. You made it. You made it. Well, I I want to officially say, because we we started recording, I want to officially say 
Kurt McKinney. Thank you so much for being on $2 Late Fee. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I wish I was in LA with you guys. <laughs> you're in, uh, you say you're 30 minutes outside the city. Um, right. And you're about to get a, a gigantic snowstorm. Monster. And how long have you been there? I, I moved to New York in 1994 to do uh, Guiding Light, the soap, and um, yeah. was on that show on and off till 2009 when it was finally canceled. So then I, you know, kids in school, kids in college, kids out of college, you know, so just have not have not made it back, sold my LA house, so did not make it back there. I sold it just before everything went crazy out there. I'm like a dumbass. But anyway. <laughs> Oh, right. <laughs> and it's still crazy. It's still crazy. It's still here. Crazy. We have a pandemic and you can't find anywhere to live in LA. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Go figure. You can, but then you'll be sharing it with like eight other people. So and that's <laughs> right. probably not the best thing to do during a COVID situation. Probably not. And you guys have been hammered out there with the whole COVID thing. Recently. Oh man. Oh. Yeah. We, you know, fortunately, Dustin and I, we are, um, of the, of the like mindset that, uh, doing what's best for everyone is wearing a mask and staying inside as much as possible. Sure. Uh, but I, I live f a few blocks from the beach and it's like a magnet of every mentality you can think of <laughs> good and bad. Yeah. So it's beach is still popular. It's, it's not still busy. It's not good. You know, people aren't staying off of it. Huh? When, when things were at its peak and we we had no idea what was going on really uh it, it seemed a little spring breakish out here mm -hmm. uh just the the minute people feel like there's uh a little bit of a let up they just jump on it you know yeah. and yeah. and so i've got a six-year-old son he's active he wants to be out and about and as much as i do and we're, we're an active family we like to exercise and work out thankfully and we always say this on a regular basis how grateful we are for what we have, not what we want. Mm -hmm. And there's so much to be appreciative of just in our little bubble. And thank yeah. God we have that bubble. I understand it's, it's it, for some people, they may, may be living in a studio apartment with, with two kids, you know, yeah. it's gotta and be tough. tough. It's gotta yeah. be tough. Uh, I cannot imagine. And so I understand that mindset, but I like to think things are getting better. Dustin's yeah. a little more, uh, he's more, he's got more of a pulse on, on, on it than I do. I'll check in with him. I'm like, so are we safe right now? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no. Well, it's just, it's just funny in the sense that like yesterday at Dodger Stadium, you know, there was a protest that just stopped the vaccinations for <laughs> several hours where everyone was like, you know, this is not real. Not to, not yeah. to make Can this we... into some kind of like, um, you know, pandemic dominant interview, but. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so well, you I thought talk about. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> Kurt. Thank you for coming on the show to talk about COVID-19 thoughts. <laughs> thoughts from Kurt McKinney uh, from New Retreat, No Surrender in 1986. And, and you know, you, you did you did have this, that what you just said, you just, uh, you had this, a long-term career on Guiding Light, which mm -hmm. obviously was beneficial in so many ways. But, you know, for Dustin and I, not a day goes by, not a single day, and I kid you not, not a single day goes by where I don't think about you, where I think about really? that montage. I, I I'm not joking. Cool. about you. That's cool. I did that. that was intentional. That was intentional, by the way. <laughs> uh, didn't, he did not expect that, where I don't think about you, Kurt. Oh, no. I, don't I, I did wow. that. Uh, okay. How much time do you have? No, no. It's, okay, so so quick, quickly, not quickly, but uh, you would ask 
off air, I think, uh, you know, how Dustin and I met each other. One of the things that kind of secured our connection was this love of 80s music, soundtrack music and montages in movies. And I will say that No Retreat, No Surrender, in my opinion, has one of the most entertaining montage sequences ever, multiple multiple ones. But once Hold On to the Vision kicks in and and you're kicking ass, (laughs) I, I mean, I work out on a regular basis to a mix and that song is featured prominently. So that's why you pop up in my head when I'm working out. Nobody told you that you'd face the truth alone But you've got the power to begin Let yourself wonder that your spirit found the way Well, you know, that, that, that's your Rocky. For me, growing up, it was Rocky. You know, I was, you know, 14, oh, 13, 14. And I had the 45 that I would play on my little record player when I was in my basement, you know, hanging upside down from inversion boots and lifting weights and stuff. You know? yes. yes. From an early age, you were an avid fitness guy, right? You were- I started martial arts when I was 12. Wow. Okay. So yeah. in, in Louisville, in, in, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Louisville, Kentucky, okay. Louisville, Kentucky, uh, Taekwondo for about four years. So I got my black belt and then I, I went across the right across the river is Indiana from Louisville. So I went over to new Albany and started kickboxing over there in a, you know, PKA style, uh, gym and did that for, you know, another, uh, four years or something like that before I moved out to LA. Did you come out to LA specifically for acting? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And really no idea, you know, what I had two, two thoughts, you know, because I would, I would talk to people and say, yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to give this a try because I was doing some local stuff, you know, uh, commercial, local commercials and, uh, things like that. So I thought, I think I'm going to uh, industrial films. I did an industrial f- series of films for Kentucky fried chicken, like how to handle customer complaints and oh, I was gonna how, say, how not to handle them. So, <laughs> so you got your finger, uh, you know, burned in the fryer and how, how to administer yeah. the first aid properly. All, all of that stuff. <laughs> I was that guy. That's great. So I, I did that and got some good feedback from the people that were producing and directing those and things like that. And I said, you know, I think I'm going to give it a try. So anyway, long story short, I move, I move out to LA. And when I'm going, when I'm going, I'm telling, yeah, I told a couple of buddies and it's like, dude, you know, seriously, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to, you're, you know, you're 22 years old. You're going to go out to LA. Yeah. You, you don't have any really acting background except for what you've been doing here. And, and, uh, what makes you think you can do that? I said, well, I, I don't know that I can. I said, but you know, hell, somebody's going to do it. So I might as well give it a shot. And, um, and I thought going out that maybe I could get into daytime, you know, maybe I could you know, try out for some soaps or maybe, maybe by off chance or something martial arts related that I can, that I can audition for, try to, you know, get get a little tape on myself that way. So that was kind of the the thought, but still it it was whatever, you know, I did give me a break. I did Alf. I did highway to heaven. I did all those little episodic things on TV too. Um, but no retreat, no surrender was my first job. It's, um, it's a great story. The, the uh, buddy of mine at the restaurant I'm waiting tables at on sunsets, the old spaghetti factory, is it still there? I don't know. If, I don't know if the one on sunset's still there. Um, but that's God. still a chain, right? Yeah. It, it, is. it is. Gosh, 
I used to go to the one in Sacramento all the time, <laughs> the one in San Jose and Sacramento. Yeah. Wow, My yeah. first, I, I thought, you know, what do you, you know, how do you become an actor? Well, you, you got to move to Hollywood and you got to, you got to get a job waiting tables. That's what you do. And you go and you go to acting class at night, like just cookie cutter. Okay. That's what I did. That's what I yeah. did. That's what I did. Um, but, uh, I remember all my tables getting up one night and ra- racing out of them. I'm like, what the hell's going on? The, the, in 1984, the torch came right down sunset Boulevard. Oh, wow. Yeah. And everybody jumped up from the table. Everybody in the restaurant, we all went outside to see the torch coming down the street. That's phenomenal. Crazy. Crazy. Uh, we interviewed Mitch Gaylord, uh, in one of our first episodes and, and obviously he's an 84 go- Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. And, uh, and we talked a little bit about that time and, 84 in LA was crazy. It was crazy. And I used to see Mitch Gaylord and Chris Atkins from Blue Lagoon, all those guys on auditions, you know, oh, really? all right, those guys right. doing, going to the same right. auditions, you know, right, right. Um, oh, but um, a buddy of mine at the restaurant said, Dave, did you see that martial arts movie? They're casting in drama log. Do you remember drama? You guys probably don't remember drama log. It was a publication that gave you a listing of, of, of things that were being cast, often non-union stuff, but a great way to, to start for a, a young, young, sure. you know, aspiring actor. Sure, and yeah. I said, no, I didn't. So I go get it. And I send in my picture and resume, you know, for no particular part. I don't even think they were just, they were looking for martial artist actors, you know, and I didn't hear anything from them and weeks went by. And then my buddy said to me, you going to the open call? what open call he said tomorrow there's an open call at sunset gower studio yeah, bless this buddy goodness yeah. about everything and i said <laughs> i wasn't really thinking about it went out that night with some friends laying by the pool the next day and i go oh shit it's that open call should i go and eh, you know they got my picture and resume they didn't call me you know they're not right. interested in me they're looking for something else and i don't you know screw it I'm, I'm what the hell i'm gonna go get to the gate and the guy at the gate goes oh it's you know it's almost five o'clock they're they're shutting everything down and i said oh Really? Yeah. He said, well, they are still trying to cast the lead. I don't think they found that guy yet, but oh. you look, you look a little old to play him. He's supposed to be like 17 years old. And I go, yeah, well, that, that's actually what I'm here to read for is for the lead. <laughs> Just yeah. off the cuff, you know, awesome. and I go in and you know, uh, the rest is history. I, I got the part. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I'm driving down sunset with no phone. No, you know, nothing in, in 1984. Cause it, it, we, we actually shot it in 84 driving down sunset going, I just got, you know, I just got the lead in a, in a karate film. You know? <laughs> so awesome. I was just trying the sunset. The sun was setting on sunset Boulevard. I'm driving home cause they kept me there for hours doing spins and jumps. And they wanted to see everything that I could do. And they had me reading with different people and, and all that stuff. And finally at the end, I was kind of like the only person left. And they were like, well, Looks like you're our Jason, you know. Uh, Whoa. Okay. Wait, I, okay. I, I got to unpack all of this. We got to, <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I want to go, I want step by step. So you, you go to the gate, it's like five o'clock. Yeah. And they, and you get into the room and you're like, hey guys, sorry, I'm a little late, but I'm here for the lead. Actually, I'm, I get in the line. You get in, okay. Because there's a there's line, a line. Of people, there's... and somebody comes out and they're walking down. There. Uh, no one, first off, except for Keith Strandberg, the guy who wrote the, the, the movie, um, no one spoke English for the most part. You know, uh, oh, wow. the, the director, Corey Ewan, the, the producer, NG Ewan, uh, uh, and some of the other people that were with them, they didn't speak English. So it was all done through. But somebody came down the aisle of people and, and said, you know, you come here. And they took me inside. 
you know, and then that's when they had started, you know, having me read a little, they start off with the reading stuff. And then they say, you want to go, you know, go change into your, your gi and, you know, come out and let's, you know, practice some stuff and see what you can do and all that. And I said, sure. And we did a bunch of kicks and and, stuff like and that. you left wow. the room that day knowing you were Jason. I left the room that day knowing that I got, they gave, they said they'd send contracts over to my agent, you know, to sign and all that. And I told them who, you know, knew on my picture and resume who my agent was and all of that. And, um, yeah. And then probably within a couple of weeks I started, you know, they told me to quit lifting weights. I wasn't (laughs) a huge guy, but they said, we want you to look young, you know, run, do push-ups, you know, whatever, but don't lift weights. We don't want you to look like that. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Do those one finger push, those two finger yeah. push-ups. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just wanted it all just martial arts. They didn't want me bulked up and they wanted me to look as young as possible because he was supposed to be 17 years old. And you do. Yeah. Like I wouldn't know that you were 22 at the time. You, yeah. you look like a, you I look, look like a teenager. I, go, I look like I was 14. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it wouldn't really matter either way. You know what I mean? Cause it was like, it's you know it's all about the story and the situation. You could have been home from college, yeah, getting exactly. bullied, exactly. anything, right? It, w- it wouldn't have, <laughs> wouldn't have made a difference. My question for you is: Did you the friend that told you about the open call? Did you get him a nice present? <laughs> uh, God, you know, I like I a giant no cell phone. <laughs> yeah, I should. <laughs> I'm splitting the, the the money that I make from this with you. Uh, I, I I don't I don't know what I did. I can't recall, but uh, hopefully. Hopefully, I at least bought him a beer. Right, right. Yeah, right. Twenty-two. That beer is totally. <laughs> it's worth it. Cat in the Fiddle Pub on Sunset. That's oh, cat. It moved. It moved. I mean, it's it still is. there. It's still around. Man, that Cat in the Fiddle. That place. A lot of those landmarks are are still around. Um, you know, obviously, right now, who knows what's going on? But but yeah, Cat and Fiddle moved to. Uh, it's kind of like in a, in a nondescript spot. Uh, really? Now. Yeah. That was a great location. Oh, for so great. I, 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 there's so many great landmarks down there that have just changed over so, so much, but you know, the, 1984 was probably, well, the eighties and early nineties were the peak, right. When everything, I got to say 84 was a great time to get to LA. It was such a cool spot. Then it's not the same anymore. It's not, you know, it's not bad. LA is still awesome, but, uh, 84 was pretty kick-ass. 84 was a good time to be oh, in just LA. Rub it oh, in, George. Rub it in. You weren't there. Sorry, you guys uh, weren't born yet. But, uh... <laughs> I was seven. I, I made my way out to California from from Detroit in '84, and I remember, you know, Karate Kid had just come out. Probably so, similar experience uh, when, with the Olympics. And... <laughs> exactly. I was run. I actually made. I was carrying the torch the entire yeah, three thousand yeah. miles that, to drive by. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> no, but I, I remember when I came out to '84. I had this these these illusions. You know, this is. I saw Karate Kid, so I thought, oh. I'm just like Daniel. I move out. I'm in the car with my mom and we drive all the way out to California. This is, I'm going to get, I got bullied at school, but I was like yeah. 10 years younger than what was going on in that movie. Um, yeah. You know, but, but for you for 84, so you shot the movie in 84, yeah. but like Dustin was saying, it, it could have taken place after college before, you know, during high school. Cause there wasn't a lot of, uh, build up or story. in as far as that is concerned, you're never you know, actually like, at school, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I was never, I was too busy, you know, hanging out in my garage and, you know, dribbling basketball. So very, (laughs) with no coordination whatsoever. You know, it's like, they, they say, can you play, you know, can you do martial arts? Yeah. Can you dribble a basketball? No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's the, it's the fake it till you make it. Yeah, exactly. The guy that played uh, RJ, um, 
JW. I mean, he yeah. basically didn't skateboard or do anything that he said he did. He just, oh yeah, I can do that. <laughs> oh, I can do that. <laughs> but you know, he was fantastic. He, he was is great. fantastic. He's, he's great. And and we, yeah. we've talked about that, that he just, he, he had such a great presence on screen. It's such a shame that you never really, he never really did much after that. Nice move. Hey, thanks. My name's RJ. How you doing? Hi, Jason. What's RJ stand for? Rafer Jefferson Madison the Third. Wow. No wonder you use RJ. Yeah. You moving in? He used to show up at my apartment once in a while, and we would, you know, I don't know, he'd surface, and we'd run around Hollywood and go hang out at bars and stuff for a bit, and then he would take off again. And I finally lost uh, touch with him. I'd like to know how he's doing. That would be great. Well, today we have. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and it just so happens. <laughs> but your movie, though, you know, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I, I know a lot of. It, it's a cult classic for sure. It is. It is. Yeah. It is a quintessential cult classic. And uh, my wife had actually never seen it, and we watched it the other night. Uh, Dustin and I and his wife, and and we did a little Zoom party type thing, you know. And yeah. uh, and I'm I'm like yelling at the TV. I, I'm feeling like I'm. 10 years old again, reliving every scene because it's so damn entertaining. And the movie ends and she's like, I'm really happy for you that you get to live through that again. <laughs> really happy for you. The most condescending thing. <laughs> oh my God. I'm really no, happy. She meant it. She meant oh, it really? sincerely. Hey, can we turn on my yeah. show now, honey? <laughs> yeah. Can we watch can we Bridgerton? Watch show? Right. Wow. The crown is on. Can we watch the I'm really crown? happy you got to relive that. Uh, anyway. No, but it's it's, it's amazing fun. though that that it reminded me, it brought up a visceral reaction to me. This this reminder of what we love so much about that time and that era, where you know maybe there's there's plot holes in the story, or you know you don't follow this or that. But it's the energy, and and you have this presence on screen that is so captivating. RJ too, like RJ is so great. You know every character in that Thank film. You. You know, it, it does a really kick-ass performance. I think they really like put their all into it. You can tell that you're in, you're like you're having a good time. It's just we were so happy to be doing it. You know, it was a you know dream come true for pretty much everybody. Nobody, you know, Jean Claude included, really had done anything. You know, we were all aspiring actors. But the big thing to that they needed in this film or that they wanted in this film was, for the most part, was authentic. You know, martial artists. Um, so they compiled the people that they could from, uh, you know, that were in the martial arts scene around there. And, uh, and I, and I wasn't in the martial scene, martial arts scene around there. Cause I just gotten there. I'd only been there four or five months. And, um, so I really is lucky that my buddy at work said, you gotta, you know, you should go. I wouldn't have even known about it. And it was called ring of truth, by the way, at yeah. the time, the original. You, yeah. You probably know that. Yeah. I mean, we, of course we do now. <laughs> I was, I was going to say too, that, uh, yeah, there was a rivalry there, this attitude. I, I was, I was giving, I was saying to my wife that back in the eighties and nineties, there was a rivalry amongst dojos, um, throughout California. There was this, yeah. this idea that, well, this, you know, Fred Villari's studio is better than, uh, you know, uh, Ernie Reyes senior's studio, you know, and, uh, and Fred Villari ended up having his own issues with the, <laughs> kind of bankrupting his company, which became United Studios of Self-Defense. I only know that because I was a student for many years there as well. <laughs> you were? Okay. Yeah. And then I remember when like the, the, the prices went up 
for the lessons. Mm-hmm. And then my, my, my sensei, who is fantastic, great name, his na- name is Radcliffe Flores. And I'm like, your name is awesome. Rad? Oh, that is a great <laughs> name. And, uh, Rad and, and then one day came, he's like, they're, they're shutting down the studio. And I'm like, whoa, I just tested for my green belt, you know? And I, and, um, and you're he, like, why? Like, I, because John claude Van Damme just showed up and broke my leg. And you're like, Radcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> the the, uh, the martial arts exactly. mafia was here earlier today looking for you. Yeah, obviously, I you know they dramatized it in the movie, but there was a rivalry, right? Did you ever? Were you aware I, I was, of that? I was unaware of that until this very moment. Oh wow! Okay, okay. <laughs> I did not know that. Uh, Keith Stremberg had written the the screenplay, and he was from Pennsylvania, so I I didn't really sense that at the gyms that I worked at at in, in Louisville, but. Um, you sensed it when you went to tournaments. When you went to tournaments, oh, those are the guys from Vanderbilt, and those are the guys from here, totally. and those are the guys at Bloomington, Indiana guys. You know, you you sense that at the tournament circuit. Do you continue to take martial arts to this day, or when did you? I continue to work out to this day. I haven't been in a, a dojo since. Well, I've been in dojos, but I haven't belonged to uh, a martial arts studio since I left Louisville when I was twenty-two years old. Wow. Yeah. Oh, but trip. I've I've always worked out. I've always, you know, garage, basement, the deck, the patio, wherever, the living room. I figured that if I didn't, I would lose it. You, you, you don't, at some point, I, when I did No Retreat, No Surrender, I probably hadn't worked out in a year. But, you you know, when you're 22 years old, you're like made of rubber. So you, you can do yeah, anything. Bounce back, yeah. Uh, but you can't, you know, at some point, you know, all of a sudden, you you know, you, you're not that guy anymore. So you have to do it. If you don't do it at least once a week, stretch or kick, practice all your, your stuff, the, uh, my fear is I would lose it. So I, I, I just do that. Well, you were doing some amazing amazing stunts in that film uh i'm thinking specifically about when you're hanging up upside down from that basketball hoop and you're you're doing sit-ups yeah <laughs> like that, well, is, I got used that with the inversion boots in my okay. garage in my basement at home so i had a little bit of i mean i didn't have that whole apparatus that, that they had me on that was made up on the spot oh what if we do this let's hang him from this oh, <laughs> can you do you know can you do that can you go out now go out really high and you know it's like it was always like something coming in Chinese and then somebody in Oh, yes. Um, I, they want to know if you can um, do this or if you can do that. And I go, okay, sure. I just, you know, there was no, mm, I don't know. There was none of that. It was always like, sure, yeah, let's do it. Well, knowing there was a language barrier, that's got to make it even more challenging as an actor. Well, yeah, it, it was, you know, the, the direction was always interpreted. The scenes with uh, Kim, the, the guy who plays Bruce Lee, um, were he was actually Korean, and he only spoke Korean and some other language that wasn't English. <laughs> and so there was, uh, they had to interpret for him and me, and then they would say, okay, you know, Kim's going to say this, and which is this, you know. Um, you know, the cup is half full, you know, whatever, you know, and, and I go, Oh, okay. So that's the last, and what's that sound like that last word? Okay. Got it. You know, and I'd wait for a or whatever it was. Wow. And that was like my cue to, to answer. And that, and what, and that's for me to understand what he had just said. That's why I'm listening so intently the whole time. It's like, 
<laughs> you're waiting for, you know, you're waiting for your line. I'm waiting for that <laughs> that word. That's awesome. But it works because that's it's Bruce Lee's yeah, ghost. Right. So if yeah. Bruce Lee's ghost came and visited me, yeah. I might be a little. I, I might be listening pretty intently as well. <laughs> yeah, sure. It would be. You'd be hanging on every word. I visited uh, his grave. His grave in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after Brandon Lee had passed away. And yeah. I actually was telling the story to Dustin that, that, that your movie was the first time I knew that he was buried in Seattle with a gravestone. Yeah. So I'd always wanted to make a trek up there. You know, my parents were like, do you want to go to Disneyland? I'm like, no, I want to go to Bruce Lee's grave. And that visit, is so cool. You know? and I asked if he brought flowers like you did. Really? He did didn't. And I, I did not. What I did, what <laughs> I did do, because I didn't know. I didn't know what his favorite flower was, unlike you did in the film. Yeah, um, I, I knew everything about it. <laughs> but I, I had made the ceramic. Uh, I was taking a ceramic when they offered ceramic classes in high school, you know. And I made the ceramic statue of Bruce Lee from uh, Enter the Dragon, and I brought it up there and I put it on his gravestone. And my mom That's took pictures, cool, you know. Yeah. She's like, "Do you want to go to Disneyland or do you want to go visit Bruce Lee's grave?" And I said, "Because Brandon Lee affected." Uh. Brandon Lee's death affected me uh, quite a bit because I, I was such a huge fan of his as well. Yeah. And he was going to be the next big thing. There's no oh, doubt yeah. about it. No doubt about it. He was he was doing great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So the Crow like, was amazing. The, amazing. Crow. Actually, his yeah. we're, we're recording this like a day before his birthday, which is kind of a trip. But um, oh, really? Wow. But yeah, he, he had done so much. Uh, Rapid Fire actually is a really decent action film it, as it well. Mm hmm. But he he his he's buried obviously next to his dad, and I can went up there to visit both their graves, and it's a powerful moment for me. But I was reflecting on the idea that it was no retreat, no surrender, that I had realized where his grave was. Mm-hmm. And when you guys, you know, obviously you're making the trek from Sherman Oaks up to uh, yeah, <laughs> which yeah, that we, spent a, we spent a week in Seattle shooting stuff, you know, establishing shots, and the rest of it was in various places in L.A. Well, it's funny, yeah, it's funny you say that because we're watching the movie again. You see the palm trees and and. Yeah. and you shoot, you shoot the bar scene at the brig, which is yeah, in Venice, Venice which yeah. is still there, by the way, it is, <laughs> on, on Abiquini. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, to Dustin, I'm like, I don't think that's Seattle. <laughs> but, you know, people from outside L.A. wouldn't know that. No, no. It's so great. It was funny. Um, well, the funniest thing is in that scene, you know, where I have to do the flying sidekick, that big monster guy. Yeah. We were, me and my buddy were in some bar on Ventura Boulevard a month before, and he was a bouncer there. And I know my, my buddy was always funny, you know, he he loved it that I was a martial artist and he'd advise. He was all his thing where you get a couple of drinks and he think he could kick that guy's ass. <laughs> <laughs> and he had said it about that guy. And oh, then really? like, here we are four four weeks later, I'm actually, you know, having to fight the guy in the, in the <laughs> Wait, the legit the, the same guy. Yeah, the same guy, the real guy. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. It's a trend. I love it. Yeah. yeah, I mean that movie in so many on so many levels is so entertaining, and and I think it needs the greater appreciation. I know um, a Blu-ray came out a few years ago, which was great. Yeah. It kind of restored the original cut and everything like that. And yeah, and they, they had me do an interview for it uh, yep. somewhere in in uh, Manhattan, uh, down in Greenwich or something like that. I went to some sound studio there and, and did a, did a, uh, on camera interview for the Blu-ray. And then, and then I did a public appearance thing and a Q and a at, uh, we have something in New York called the, uh, the Alamo cinema and draft house. Yep. Cool, yeah. cool place to see, to see movies and drink beer and eat food. And it's awesome. So we did, they did a 30th anniversary showing there and I, and I, uh, Went there for a Q and A. We had a great time. Oh, love it. oh that's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I got to ask you um, in your in in your fight scenes. We we had uh, interviewed Richard Norton 
uh, martial artist and actor and stuntman and and uh, a little while back and he was talking about when he filmed his movies with Jackie Chan they would often you know speed up the or they 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 speed up the frames per second right to make it a little bit faster did they do that in No Retreat No yeah. Surrender yeah okay. they definitely did well, you said Richard Norton because there's a producer that uh, writers been who knows Richard Norton has been talking about possibly having us do a project together so that would be yeah. awesome that guy's a that guy's a legend you know I would love to work with him he sure is we we when we had him on the show we were kind of pitching the idea to him that they need to bring an expendables but as far as like older martial artists they haven't done one when it's just straight up martial like you Don the Dragon Wilson Cynthia sure. Rothrock you know Michael Win uh, not Michael Wincott um uh, from Martial Law I'm thinking of uh, Jeff Wincott, sorry. Yeah. 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 And, and some or of these. Speakman, Jeff Speakman. Jeff too, Speakman, right? yeah. The Jeff Speakman, weapon. yeah. Yeah, perfect weapon. That's right. <laughs> I mean, you guys, uh, yeah, like, I, I, I don't think you like the idea of pitching it in, like, you know, uh, I said, you guys could be, like, in a high school. You could be the teachers, and suddenly you're kicking ass on the bullies, and, you know. It's good to pitch all your ideas here. Or beating on the show, up 17-year-olds. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry, someone's going to steal that idea. How dare they? <laughs> Offer yeah, it to you, the world. You've blown it now. Do you have that copyright? <laughs> oh, yes, I do. <laughs> As a matter of fact. But, but you worked um, with Cynthia Rothrock, right? I did. Um, did you see that movie? Um, yeah. Sworn to, to Justice? I mean, look, your, your, your films, many of those 80s and 90s martial art films are a staple to this yeah. day. Thank you. He said he yeah, thinks Cynthia's about you great. every day, Kurt. With, yeah. Every day he thinks about you. It's not a lie. Do you still train? Do you still do your martial arts? So I don't. I don't do my martial arts uh, as much anymore. I, I do. I'm an avid yoga guy. I've been doing yoga for yoga. the past 20 years. Uh, my brother. Yeah, I've been. I've been doing yoga ever since my brother uh, broke his neck uh, in a biking accident and was able to. He was. He was he's not paralyzed because of the fact that he was so, um, uh, you know, loose with his body because he'd been doing so much yoga for so many years. And I saw that. I'm like, I need to be doing yoga now. You, and, you need to be doing all of those, those things. I, I had a body surfing accident about eight years ago in, um, in Laguna and I got slammed on the mm. ocean floor there really hard. And, um, you know, I could not walk well for weeks and, you know, I, I got, we, we were there and then we, I got back home here and I was like, I got to go for an x-ray. And I did. And of course I had cracked like three vertebrae, mm. you know, oh my gosh. so, and then I have a buddy of mine who, who's big surfer and stuff. He goes, you know, you don't hear about it, but that kind of stuff happens all the time. People get paralyzed body surfing or, 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 um, uh, surfing, you know, anything you get slammed hard enough on the ocean floor, you break your neck. Yep. And, and I, you know, definitely cracked a few, vertebrae, which is not, not fun. Thank goodness you're okay. I mean, yeah. there's a, there's a, um, very lucky. there's a, a surfer, former surfer who has an organization called life rolls on, which actually takes paraplegics into the ocean on surfboards with instructors. And they do, uh, like these events where they, they surf, uh, paraplegic surf in the water. And then they do like skateboarding events in Venice. And, um, but he's paraplegic because he had a very similar injury. He just slammed the the sand really hard and obviously didn't recover from it, but thank God you did. Mm. Yeah. I, so lucky. And, and if that's not a reason, and now obviously with COVID, if it's not a reason to keep ourselves in somewhat uh, decent shape and you know strength and flexibility and endurance and simply you yeah. know it, it definitely is is um is, is something we should all be like striving to no doubt to do. i i've been um 
I do this form of yoga called DDP yoga. So I, I, back in the day, I was a huge wrestling fan and Dustin knows that I'm pretty much still a big wrestling fan. And, and, uh, this guy in his late thirties started wrestling and he got, a, he had a bad back and he was looking at retirement and his wife's like, you should start doing yoga. And this is a big tough guy bouncer, you know? And he's like, I don't do yoga. That's for girls. You know, this kind of old school mentality. And she's like, why, why don't you try it? You know, next thing you know, he couldn't do it because it was so hard for him, but he continued at it and he got better. And he incorporated like kind of P90X Pilates-esque movements into his yoga and created his own yoga form called DDP yoga, which I swear by to this day, I'm always telling Dustin about him, like, you got to do these things, you know, the the slow extended pushups and, uh, you know, and the movement, it's great. You look at it and you think, well, that's, they're not doing anything. You know, you got to go to the gym and you got to lift heavy weight and you got to do this. And I, I think having a a good, you know, Clint Eastwood said years ago, like 30 minutes of something every day. And mm-hmm. I, I sort of live by that motto, just like, but it, do, it certainly doesn't have to be the same thing. You don't want to run every day. You don't want to lift weights every day. You don't want to do martial arts every day, but something every day. And my wife turned me on to, uh, Pio, which is a Pilates yoga type thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know, like 20 minute, 30 minute, you know, workouts, little routines, but it's amazing how, you know, uh, how hard it is and how good you feel doing that strength that, you know, cause it's a full body workout, the core and the, you know, um, it, it's really good. So I don't do it enough, but I, I do, I, I dig it. I think it's pretty, pretty good stuff. Well, obviously you're doing something right. Cause you look great and you're taking right. good care of yourself. And, um, uh, you know, it, 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 we're, when we were watching no retreat the other day and we're watching Van Dam doing the splits, I showed no retreat, no surrender to my son, when he was probably like four, uh, yeah. we, we, I showed him in, in breaks cause I'm, certain parts would be way over his head, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but he loves like the training scenes. And, and I told him I was interviewing him, to, interviewing you today. And he got very excited about that. And, um, but oh, that's great. yeah. And, and cause he's, he's really into, he's like into fighting and stuff like not in, but not in a whole, you know, negative way. Um, but we're watching the movie and I'm seeing Jean-Claude Van Damme doing his splits and I'm talking to Bodhi about doing the splits and he's trying to do the splits. And, and I mean, he, that, he, that signature, that was like the first time I think he had done those, that, that split kick, yeah, uh, yeah. move, you know? Yeah. That was his first movie. So that was the first, I believe it was his first, um, first thing he had done. But, um, yeah, that, that was, that was really cool. It's funny showing the movie to kids. Some kids are like, you know, my neighbor, you know, had his kids watch it and they were like, uh, and a buddy of mine had his kid watch it. And, oh, it's, he didn't like it, you know, just scaring him, the, the, getting the fight scenes and stuff like that. You know, it depends, I guess, their, their age. Sure. My kids would always watch it. They wanted to watch it. And then whenever they did, they go, oh, dad, are you okay? <laughs> they were like, did I, that guy shouldn't have done that to you. They just like take it so seriously. They couldn't, couldn't quite separate it, you know? Oh, yeah. I, my, my son actually had more of a harder time with the conflict you had with your dad in the movie. Um, oh, because, he's, yeah. you know, he's such a great it was such, such an intense scene where you guys are yelling at each other and it felt real. Look, my brother would argue with my mom all the time and, you know, break stuff or whatever. And, and I found that relatable, but, uh, but yeah, it does those scenes where you're getting your ass kicked at one point, you know, it's, it is, it it looks very realistic and it is pretty much the, I mean, we, uh, you know, the stunts were, you know, we all did our own stuff and, and it was, um, Again, we're young, so we can handle it. But it, it, when we did that, but we're getting we're we're getting thrown around, and you can see when I'm like with the fights with Pete Sugarfoot Cunningham, you know, I'm getting yep. slammed on the floor and stuff. It's you know, you're really you're taking the fall. 
you're, you're going down. There, so there was there was nothing, no part in in the filming where you were like, I'm not comfortable doing this, or you know, especially with the language barrier. Yeah, no, uh, you know, the backflip scene, they wouldn't let me do that. I, I was willing to try it, but the, you know, because I could do a backflip, but I had never done that. And they were like, no, 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 we're not going to let you do that. This guy's going to. Because there's got to be like this hard balance mentally, right between like you know, this is your first movie. So there's a lot riding on it, whether you want to say that or not, right? Because you want to establish yourself as an up-and-coming martial artist, an up-and-coming actor. So I, I'd imagine there'd be a lot of feeling about like, well, I, I will just do whatever you guys want because you don't yeah. want to be perceived as difficult or, or anything, yeah. you know, oh, that American guy, he won't do that, you know. For Yeah, you just, you're just, again, you're just really so happy to be there, yeah. you know. The word uh, I don't think so, or I'm not too sure about that, is really not in your vocabulary. You're willing to try anything. Then if they go, no, 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 okay, we're not going to do that. You know, maybe they didn't like the way it looked or what you did. Go, well, try this. Can you do this? And you do that. And yeah, that's what we're going to do here. You know, because it's everything's just kind of choreographed as you as you go. You know, I mean, they have the the choreographer has got an idea, and the director they all have an idea in their head about what they want you know, the fight scene to look like and, and, you know, what they want to happen here, but they were, they're always open to, you know, whatever works well for the camera. Right. So you never felt unsafe at any point. No, I never did. That's, that's good. Yeah. I mean, cause it's yeah. great martial art. I mean, you're, you're flying off people's backs. Who's yeah. the lard ass? You know, it's just like you fly <laughs> in off this other dude and just, um, <laughs> rolling across car hoods and everything. No, yeah. Oh, it's I, so I thought good. I was, it really is. It's it's a shame, really, that they never explained why Scott hates RJ so much. I, we understand there was yeah. a cut scene um, where RJ trips him in the in the hallway or whatever. But the idea that you know this guy could just be at a restaurant buying everyone in the restaurant hamburgers and then be like, <laughs> "Oh, I hate that guy!" Like destroy his own hamburger and then be like, you know, the, the, I hate that RJ. Why do, hate, why do you hate him so much? Oh, you don't even know. And then like you know, nineteen guys just leave their their burgers to go jump this poor guy in the parking. Yeah, room. and I and then I get I'm in trouble just because I'm friends with. Him. <laughs> right, so I'm, I'm right. Oh, he says, he says, uh, he says, uh, uh, Seattle karate is no good. And yeah, <laughs> LA karate is the best. And, really? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause up until that point, it seemed like everything was kosher. Like you were going to yeah. have this great workout. I, I was saying to, I was saying to Dustin, I'm like, hey, this is just like the time I went 24 hour fitness. And they're like, you know, let me give you a tour of the studio. Oh my God. And then they kicked my ass too. Cause I said, Seattle karate sucked. No, yeah, I'm kidding. Right. And they just didn't, they didn't take to that very well. Did they? <laughs> Yeah, it looked like it looked like Jason was just going to have this wonderful life in Seattle. You know, he was miserable about going, but then when he saw the garage, <laughs> he's got his own little dojo. Okay, I'm happy now. And then the, the big kid across the street wants to beat you up all of a sudden, and your life is is ruined. You know, I got to tell you, man. Like I remember, there was a these martial art uh, stores that sold martial art, you know, equipment. And mm -hmm. there were hole in the wall places in San Jose when I was living yeah. up there. There was this place. It was like in the in in some you know, dirt mall and, and, uh, at the end of the block and, and it was tiny, but they had like every Bruce Lee poster you could think of. They had the kick pads, they had the shoes, they had, you know, the old school claws that you could order out of the, uh, the back of the martial art magazines and stuff like that. And I was into all of it. My mom's like, I'm not buying you throwing stars, but I'll buy yeah. you the Bruce Lee books and the yeah. post, you know, and I wanted all of it. I wanted it yeah. all. Yeah. And, and then I'm watching your, your movie with Dustin and we're like, I still want a gym like that. I still want a, a garage that I can. 
Yeah, right. I still have, I, that's where my bag is. I have my bag in my garage. So fantastic. I, you know, it's still sort of, uh, it sort of looks like that a little bit, minus the, the posters and the, and the, you know, wooden doll. And <laughs> you don't have a ripped. So I was saying to Dustin, like, we should have a ripped up Bruce Lee poster. You have one half, I have the other. And it's like friends forever, you know, we put right. it together. And we could have them made into like little necklaces. <laughs> wear your half and I'll wear my half. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that, that movie, <laughs> like, why not? Yeah, okay, this uh, this is taking a turn that I wasn't <laughs> Zach Schaefer, personal stock. Now you both leave no, your uh, wives and uh, start a new life. <laughs> we open up a garage, don't you? <laughs> Hold on to that vision. Hold on to that vision. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so did so you said the film got a theatrical release, and did you get to go to like a premiere or anything like that when it came out? No. In fact, <clears throat> I was back in my hometown of Louisville, and um, – for something and your buddy and, your friend uh, told you about the <laughs> and my my friend goes i just saw your movie in a commercial oh he's oh this is serious what oh there's a different friend oh i just saw your movie. i said what really it, it, it's coming out because I, I mean we should shoot it in 84 it doesn't come out until 86 right. and yeah. uh, and then next thing you know i'm you know watching tv and i see i'm seeing the trailer for it you know coming soon to a theater near you you know and it's in that gravelly voice you know that he, you know, he thought that, uh, what I'm Fontaine probably did that one. He, he thought he was going to have a wonderful life until he moved to Seattle. He moved to Seattle. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, a young 18 year old boy. Yeah. <laughs> Not 22. Yeah, exactly. It's like Quentin Tarantino movie. You know, it's like well, that grindhouse, you know, uh, type of, uh, feel to the, to the trailer yeah. and to the, the voiceover for a boy, and, Cynthia Rothrock alone. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but wait, so Dustin always does it. just do martial arts together, and then they they realized there was a spark. There was something. There. <laughs> Dustin does this bit with uh, Cynthia Rothrock because uh, she did a movie called China O'Brien. And what's yeah. the line? What's the line in the trailer, Dustin? Where? Well, it's always like you know, it's 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 just so offensive the trailer because it's like there are certain places where a pretty girl shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> a beautiful woman shouldn't be out doing cool karate things at dark. Yeah. You know, it's just, that's a man's sport. And then she yells out, I can't see you, but I can feel you. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> like, oh she's beautiful God. and she can kick ass. Well, that's what she was in, in the movie we did. Uh, Sworn to Justice, the, uh, yeah. Sworn to Justice, she was like a Clara Bland or whatever, you know. That actually, was, that cast of Sworn and Justice is, is pretty fantastic. You had uh, Mako in there and um, um, Walter, Walter Connig, Walter Connig and Brad Tony LaBianco, Brad Dourif. Yep. Yeah, yeah, great, great cast. You know, but then you kind of parlayed into daytime television, right? Yeah, well, I had already been doing daytime. I did General Hospital for a number of years, and That's then right. and then Guiding Light. So I I actually left Guiding Light for uh, a period of weeks to go shoot uh, Sworn to Justice, and then came back to it. Do you have a preference over one or the other, or was it just like how, how did how did you how did you land into the doing daytime soaps? Um, because when you, you know my whole story with uh, you, you with uh, not doing No Retreat No Surrender Part Two, I was supposed to do more stuff. Yeah, yeah, actually, you know, it, with, yeah, um, that's no. Please, please tell. Please, we do, but we tell do. our audience. Yeah. So so. Um, I wasn't actually working with NG. There was this other guy who had sort of taken over the the you know planning and putting together uh, the the next 
sequence of films. And um, it was supposed to be shot in Thailand. Cynthia Rothrock was supposed to be in it. Um, and everything just kept getting postponed. You know, it's, oh, now we can't do it because it's monsoon season. Or now we can't do it because Cynthia Rothrock's doing a movie for the Hong Kong mafia. And then I'm going, well, do I need, do I need, shots we're going to be filming in the jungle right and he's like yeah but no you're fine you won't need any shots i go well um look i'm I, i've just got married so i'd really like to bring my my wife you know and he goes oh no 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 you can't you don't want to bring a blonde haired blue-eyed woman where we're going i got really paranoid about it, so i called jean-claude and i say jean-claude what's going on and they're not going through my agent they're just calling me directly going you ready you know with you know, you've been training. We're want, you know, we're ready to. We're thinking we're ready to shoot this thing soon. And anyway, and this went on for over a year, year and a half. And um, I called Jean Claude and I said, you know, what's going on with seasonal films? And he goes, Kurt, who told you to call me? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, Kurt, who told you to call me? And I go, Jean Claude, nobody told me to call you. I'm just concerned about seasonal films. I can't take my wife. Sent the Rothrock to the Hong Kong Mafia. What, you, what the hell is going on? He goes, Kurt, I tell you right now, I know going. I said, what do you mean? He says. Listen to me, Kurt. I know going. They're, 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 they're pirates. We're filming on, in, in, on the Cambodian border. There are pirates in the jungle. You know what just pirates? The pirates, they come. The pirates, they come. They steal, they steal our passports. They steal our equipment. The police, they come. They don't know who we are. They fuck us in our house. I know going. This is the greatest so, phone call in the history of phone calls. I said... Jean-Claude, what? He goes, Kurt, I know going. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, you know, my agent, my agent the whole time too was going, you know, this, I'm not sure about this. Oh, this God. Not, you know, and, and the irony here is if I would have been dealing with Keith Strandberg and NG and the people that I worked with originally, I, I'm sure it never would have, you know, sure, happened. Sure. Like yeah. But, yeah. but, so, but my my agent uh, says, you know, we really don't want you to go. There's stuff going on here. We really want you to. And then they sent me up for um, just basically right after that, they they set me up for um, the American Ninja uh, films. And Dudikoff, I guess, was not going to be doing the second or third one or whatever. So they they offered. So I, I go to audition for part three. I got it. But they said, yeah, but we want you for three, four, five, and six. And my agents were like, no. You're not committing to, you know, um, oh, yeah. you know, four films in South Africa. And at the time, it wasn't very cool to work in South Africa with the apartheid and all that that was going oh, on. There. So I said, well, look, I I can't just keep turning down work here. They go, how about a soap? And I go, fine, let's do a soap. And I, <laughs> went, up, I, I, I went up for General Hospital and I got this it. So, and that's what, you know. You're like right. a- it's either Cambodian butt butt pirates or yeah, but, or, so, or slave traders in South South Africa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. let's go with the that soap. is phenomenal. Oh yeah, God. yeah, it's, it's it's good stuff. So so then I do uh, after General Hospital. I stayed on General Hospital for a few years, and then I did an interview with Kung Fu Magazine, and I'm telling them basically this this whole story, and they're like wow, you, you know, and I had left general general hospital to go pursue other things. I did a, a movie of the week, a backdoor pilot with Robert Conrad, one of my heroes and, and, um, and that didn't go. And, you know, I'm kind of, yeah. 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 And so we did that, but it it didn't get picked up as a, as a series. And there were several others. And, um, 
And so finally, I'm doing this interview with uh, Masters of Kung Fu magazine. And the guy goes, wow, you, you kind of like turn down more work than you actually take. And I'm like, I left there going, Oof. shit. You bastard. That's right, man. I'm, what, the, what the hell am I doing? I got to say yes. So my agent calls me right after that for, um, for um, Guiding Light. They said, you know, I see you for Guiding Light. You, you, would, you, would you be up for doing a soap now? And I go, yeah, I guess so. I don't want to move to New York, but, you know, just bought a house in, in the valley in, in oh, North wow. Hollywood. And I'm oh. like, you know. I'd had it for a couple of years, but anyway, I wasn't not looking to move. I was miserable with the thought of moving to New York. Miserable. Yeah. I toiled over it. And uh, in fact, I had got a job selling cars at Mazda of North Hollywood because I didn't want to just like spend every money, you know, every bit of money I'd made at, at General Hospital. So I'm at the car dealer and, I, and they may be an offer and, you know, I didn't like the offer to move. It was not where I thought it should be to pick up and move and go to New York. And plus after my, my uh, experience of doing general hospital for a few years. Um, but this was two years after that, you know, kicking around doing stuff. And, um, I'm literally sitting in the showroom of the car dealership going, what are you doing? I'm looking around. I'm like, do you really want to sit here one more minute? And I go, you don't. I picked up the phone, called my agent. It goes, oh shit, they're, they're getting ready to shut down. You know, they're three hours ahead of us in New York. Let me call them. They got me on a, a red eye. Wow. I literally fly in on a red okay. eye to New York. I have two hours of sleep in the hotel room. They pick me up. They take me to the studio for the screen test at, at, at uh, Guiding Light, then put me on a plane and send me back home. Wow. And then I get home and they said, you got it. So start to back your shit. but but so so that so i'm in i'm there i'm doing the show and you know the newsstands all over the city and i go by and masters of kung fu is right up there with me on the cover back after hospital stay was the caption was one of the most sold masters of kung fu they oh, ever, I bet. They ever had. Oh my God. They, they make it look like I've been in the hospital all these years. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> he, he's had a fit. He's had all this work done on his body. He's a million dollar yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one thing, like, like you said about no retreat, no surrender, that, that franchise I think could have been huge if they had kept you in it and they had done, had gone a different direction. In my opinion, the same could be said for iron Eagle. I think in the, the sequel, iron Eagle came out in 86 as well. Jason Gedrick's yeah. obviously in that. He was hot. He, they do Iron Eagle 2. They kill him off in the first five minutes of the movie. And then the franchise just goes on and does its own thing. Those are old stories, obviously. And, and, and armchair quarterback is like, oh, well, they should have done it like this, you know. But you think about these 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 films that we're not talking about No Retreat, No Surrender 2. We're not talking about Iron Eagle 4. Like we're, we're These movies have a staying power because of their lead actor. You have that staying right. power. You have that presence. And, and I think I, I don't now I want to track down that magazine, but, uh, you know, I look at it and I go, yeah, like it's in your closet right behind you, by the way, right. Just, uh, top uh, uh, with all the, not hard, not hard to track down. 1994, uh, <laughs> all the VHS yeah. copies of guiding light and, you know, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but, but the idea of like, we want to see you on screen and it's so great to see you in, in any capacity, you know, and, and, and being a presence because you, you had that from the moment we saw you no retreat no surrender we're like i want to see more of this guy this guy's got that thing you know and so yeah thank god you were in that mazda dealership and like what the hell am i doing and i think that happens often with people where they're like what am i doing with my life and 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 oftentimes and i think more times than not they continue to do that thing that they're like why am i doing this versus Mm -hmm. taking that risk taking that chance i think within this covid time 
it has in a good way has given people an opportunity to be like, is this really what I want to do with my life? Because life is short. Life could be gone in a minute. Uh, you know, we're talking about Brandon Lee, like that, 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 that flame got extinguished just like that. And, and you think about, it was a stupid accident, a horrible moment. And you think about, we have this one chance to do whatever we want with our life. And you, and you took it. Thank God you did. Yeah. Yeah. And and you do. And it's hard when you're young too, because you don't know which road to go. Oh, should I, you know, you got your agents telling you, no, we, you know, you, you should be in this movie or you should be going up for that, or we don't want you to go, you know, and, and sometimes you have to just trust your own instincts and say, you know, um, this feels right. You know, I want to go do this or, um, but you know, work begets work. So if you, if you're working, you know, it may not be exactly where you want your career to be or what you want to be doing, but hopefully, uh, it will it will take you to the, the the next place that maybe will be that dream job or that 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 great breakout you know performance in a film that you you're hoping for that you're dreaming about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, th- there are there are millions of people that want to be an actor or be in the film business in, to some degree, yeah. and to have any opportunity. And I've said this before: any opportunity, whether it, it's a movie that five people saw or whether it was a huge blockbuster or whether it was a TV series that lasted for eight seasons or, or lasted for eight episodes. The fact that you get to do it, that the fact that you got there is so powerful mm-hmm. and it's so important, I think, for people to say, just to have that opportunity. And, you know, thankfully you did. It's, it's a wonderful opportunity. And a lot, you're right. A lot of people don't get it. And you have to look at it no matter how small the film is or how small the part is. There's an old saying, there, there are no small parts. Yeah. You know, every part you play should be uh, you giving it 110%. You know, you don't, I had somebody on the soap one day tell me, ah, you know, let's just go do it. You know, we don't want to have to worry about it. Nobody's going to watch it anyway. Or some, you know, flip comment like yeah. that. And I go, you know what? It doesn't matter. I, I'm doing it. I'm not going to get up there and, 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 you know, just act crappy because I don't care. You know, I'm going to go up there and still give it a 110%. You know, I'm not going to not, give it my best. It doesn't matter if somebody's watching it or not, or you think the scene is not a great scene. Now that that's beside the point, you want to make it as, as good as you possibly can. You know, you, you see great actors in, in films that are not so great, you know, but they usually shine because they go at it the way they would uh, a huge budget, perfectly scripted, you know, uh, cast, ensemble film, you know, and, and they're not, they're not thinking about, well, it's, it's low budget or it's this or it's that. You, you can't think that way. Well, I think that's why when we were saying earlier that the cast of No Retreat has that energy about them. When you and RJ are in the garage together, which sounds really weird, uh, but, <laughs> but you know, and, and, and he's got this smile on his face. You guys both look like you're having just the greatest time. And, and I'm looking at RJ going, okay, RJ clearly has no friends because he just met you and now you guys are best buddies. And so I feel bad for RJ. I'm like, poor RJ's getting bullied by this dude and he's running around on a skateboard all the time and he's got no friends and he meets you and you can dribble a little and, and you got some dance moves. You incorporate a little break dancing into the final fight sequence at the end, you know, which I thought was so badass. And, and, uh, and then RJ's got his, obviously it's not him doing the dancing, but who cares? Like he sold it. He sold it like he did. What's this? <laughs> well, that dance is 
a bit and now I'm really quick. I rock to the beat so viciously. Why you go imitating? Bruce Lee. I like to feel my highs, I like to feel my lows. Why you rock, 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 try to kick it with your toes? I'll do it for you now and I'll show you how. I rock to the beat, so watch my feet. Yeah, to totally went for it. You know, I mean, um, here's RJ. He's got uh, he's got a guy who moves in now. He's finally got a buddy. But you can remember that when you were a kid. You meet some kid, and all of a sudden, he's your best totally. friend. Totally. Absolutely. You know, you, you literally met each other 30, 40 minutes ago, and you bring them home. Hey, mom, this is my new friend, you know, Stuart. And we just met, you know, and you're like best of friends. Yeah, that is, it's that awesome. is true, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's funny you say that because I think moving out to California when I was, when I was eight – and uh, my best buddy who lived down the street, this kid named Jason was, yeah, we, we were like thick as thieves from Jeez. the minute we met. Wait a minute. J Jason <laughs> Brown, Jason Brown. He's now in Atlanta, but that's a whole other story. Um, but Kurt, you know, coming on our show, being able to share your story, it, it's wait, so wait, 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 You just segued real hard. Hold on a minute. Zach, you brought up something really interesting, I thought. Um, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Kurt, or both of you guys, is that you were like, you know, no one remembers never, um, no retreat, no surrender Two, iron Eagle Two, And I like, are there, what are some of the sequels that you do remember that are as good or, or better, you know, and specifically martial arts is what I'm thinking of in your guys' mind. I, I don't know that there are many in martial arts films. So I, I'm, I think, I think sequels are tough to do. I mean, I think, uh, Stallone did it with Rocky, you know, yeah. uh, Rocky two was, was the great, you know, three. I mean, it, eventually it got a little, little bit redundant there, but, but first, the first two or three were great. Yeah, totally. You know? I, I think, um, but I'm not sure that there are a lot of martial arts films that have the number two after the main title that I would say, wow, that was as good as the first one. So I think it is a little difficult to, um, to follow um, the first one of any of any movie, you know, was Godfather two as good as Godfather one? Some people say it is, yeah. but aliens, you know, aliens, people, people say it's better than the first one, and you know, it's different. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I would say Karate Kid two, you know, was was able to continue the storyline because I think John G. Ableton had a vision of always doing more than one, um, mm -hmm. and obviously that film, that franchise has staying power. And I look at that now, and I'm like, okay. They're bringing back actors from all those other movies. And there's a guy online who's a big Last Dragon fan. And he's like, I want to get Tymok into the Cobra Kai series. You know, we, we need to bring all these martial arts actors into the series. And it's like, well, yeah. okay, but let's bring in Kurt McKinney into the Cobra Kai series then. Oh, yeah. nice. I didn't, yeah. I have not seen that yet, but I hear there's a lot of buzz about it and people like it. And so uh, hopefully it does well. I think, I think what it's doing, based my own opinion, I think what it's doing is it, it's reinvigorating um, this love of a, a nostalgic time. You know, our mm -hmm. show, what we do on our show, it's all about loving the nostalgia. And what do these films evoke in us? And why do they have this? You know, it's funny. My, my daughter's 22 and she said, you know, the, she goes, I think the 80s were the greatest time. <laughs> yeah. She goes, I look back and she goes, it's because, you know, you know, it, it wasn't so far back uh, that you can't relate. And it seems like every, you were just, it was a certain nostalgia, a certain innocence to it because you were just on the cusp of everything happening, you know, with the internet and with totally. computers and cell phones and all that stuff that we were, you know, just on the verge of happening, but hadn't happened yet. So I, I, th I think she, she nailed it, you know, there. It is, a, it's kind of a, 
and you know we talk about it being a cheesy time cheesy movies you know and and all of that i mean you even watch top gun and it seems oh, sort it's of cheesy it is. <laughs> it is and that was the biggest budget you know movie of that time oh probably. you couldn't tell but, people uh, that it was cheesy back then they would you know well, it wasn't. I mean, that was new stuff. Yeah. You know, when when Star Wars came out, and when, you know, all those movies came out. It was. I like the seventies movies too. Though. Oh, ditto. I, yeah. I, I really dig seventies stuff. Well, you you yeah. hit upon something that I think that's important is that it was the last decade where we weren't tied to some device, you know, and right. and um or the or the devices were tied down and we couldn't move them around. You know, <laughs> they weren't remote yeah. or right. whatever. You know, they actually had to get up yeah. and turn the channel on the TV. But um, but yeah. it was the last time for that, you know. And so the yeah. idea of like, well, when you were done with that Atari twenty six hundred game, you'd go outside and actually ride your bike. Or you go exercise, you know, or the movie ended and you couldn't limit the number of movies at our fingertips and, and, and video games and, you know, chatting uh, online or, you know, on your cell phone. You're yeah. Right. It's changed. And, and your, your daughter, you have, you have two kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cole and Madison there. Uh, Cole's uh, 20, going to be 25 and Madison's going to be uh, 23. Babies. Babies. In March. Yeah. They, uh, and they're not martial artists. They're not, you know, um, I, everyone had the opportunity, my wife included, um, everybody had the opportunity to, to learn because I've, you know, throughout the years I've taught, you know, privately, I've, you know, people that wanted to learn, I've, I've done private lessons and things like that off and on. And, and they all certainly did a little bit of it, but nobody, you know, grasped it. You know, they, nobody got a hold of it and said, I, I, I want to do it. My kids, uh, grew up in a town that was small, um, and very sports oriented. Mm. So they always, they wanted to be on the teams with all their friends. So it was basketball, it was baseball, it was lacrosse, it's football, it's wrestling, it's field hockey, it was everything. So there really was no time for martial arts for them. But so. And what, and what, and I meant to ask you earlier, what drew you to martial arts when you were 12? I, my, you know, I, I, um, I had just seen karate and, you know, kicks being used in a few movies. You know, when I did the movie with Robert Conrad, he goes, you know, I was the first one to be throwing kicks. I said, I know you were. I used to watch you. Um, awesome. Because when I got that, I, I, I arrived on the set of that movie and I was like, um, you know, they got, gave me my trailer and got me set up. And they said, OK, you, you're going to go uh, run lines with the. Uh, with uh, Mr. Conrad, I go, Mr. Mr. Conrad. And they said, cause I didn't know who was in the film. I just got oh, it. Wow. You know, it was a, and, um, it was a movie of the week, yeah. you know, back when they did that. And I, uh, I said, uh, Mr. Conrad, yeah, Robert Conrad. I go wild, wild West, Robert Conrad. And they go, yeah. <laughs> and I got to go to his, his trailer and they go, yeah, go his trailer's out there. He's waiting for you to run lines. I went in there and I was, my jaw was down to <laughs> totally. hell. Yeah. I used to watch. I mean, you—that's my favorite show. You look a little like Robert show. Conrad now, too. You know, he was a great guy. We had so much fun. He couldn't walk past me on the set without like throwing an uppercut or something at me, and then I, I you know, I would throw one back at him, and he would be like, "Oh, I like that. You dropped that shoulder just right." He—he <laughs> he reminds me of that, uh, like John Saxon, and you know that, like that old school. Yeah. Uh, when you said you're a fan of the movies from the '70s, that it, definitely a '70s look, you know, in a good way, yeah. like that tough guy. Yeah, they had that tough guy look. Charles Bronson, all those oh, guys, man. you know, had that, um, had that thing going. Man, it was, it was. Uh, I don't know. I, I just like Clint Eastwood movies. I like all those old movies from the '70s. The way they, the way you know, the storylines, uh, 
the way the way they ended they were not always like the big you know happy ending they they were to me they were almost like less cheesy you know they had a little more grit to them like hollywood did in 1984 well no doubt no doubt no doubt i was gonna say the 70s were the the end of the kind of that dark period of like okay this is it it's 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 over it's depressing and then the 80s were like everything's happy nostalgia we're we're throwing jason high up in the air and he's gonna fortunately he didn't yeah. fall on your neck at that point when they were oh, i did they did they, oh, they, you see yeah. it in the thing they do drop me a yeah they do bit, you know yeah. not, not hard and then pick you know pick them back up and get me back up there. It's like, <laughs> i mean these extras that they found for that it's like where did they they were where did they find these people they just literally you, you want to make 50 bucks, you know, come on, come here. What do I got to do? Huh? <laughs> Just throw this kid up in there. Got it. <laughs> Is there anything that you would like to uh, promote social media? How can people find you? You said you do some coaching. Is that something that, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm not on social media. You know, I spent so much time, um, in the, um, late eighties and early nineties, you know, trying not to be found because when you're on a, a, a daytime uh, drama, people try to track you down. So I never I think you're really your character did. too. Yeah. 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 You never, never really did that, that sort of thing. So um, I'm not, um, I'm, I have a, a film that I, that I did uh, about a year ago uh, where I, I play um, uh, the lead's father in a, in a, uh, a romance novel um, by Sylvan Raynard. It's called uh, Gabriel's Inferno. That's that's running right now on uh, Passion Flicks. Okay. Tosca Musk was the director. I'm supposed to leave soon. Um, it was supposed to be last year, but uh, didn't happen due to COVID. So I'm, I should be, if things go well, in the next month or so to go do the second part of that. Right. It's a trilogy of, uh, of films that uh, I'm the dad in. Oh, nice. Right on. Uh, uh, so I'm in that, but no, no martial arts stuff. Uh, like I said, if the, if the, um, the one with, um, with Richard Norton comes about at some point, we, that would be great. We've been talking about it. So we'll see. Yeah, he's one of those guys that he'll, he'll make it happen. Uh, he's, he's, yeah, he works all the time. Great guy. guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have a, we yeah. have a long history with him. So, uh, you know, he's just solid, solid. Dude. Put, in a, put in a good word for me. Tell him I'm, I'm ready to go. I, I'm going to mention it. He's directing. Call him right now. He's directing. <laughs> well, well, he actually went. Spent a week at our house, actually in Santa Monica's with his wife. So, oh really? Oh wow! It's a it's a it's, it's a long story, but uh, it, it you know it turned out we wanted to take him out to lunch. He was in L.A. doing some some stuff for Suicide Squad two, and we wanted to take him out to lunch to thank him for doing the show. And his his wife came, Judy came with him, and uh, so sweet. And they had mentioned that their uh, Airbnb fell through while they were here, and, and I'm like, oh, well, we, we kind of have one, and it's more of just a loft area. I'm actually in it right now, and. Uh, and they ended up staying with us for six days. Uh, it was only supposed to be a couple of days, but they had a layover and they were supposed to go to Atlanta and, that, and the flight got canceled. So they were here for a few more days and they taught Bodie how to, Richard's like, this is how you cut a man with a sword. And he took, <laughs> takes out his sword <laughs> and uh, just super great guy. Like they're, they're just the salt of the earth. So uh, yeah, yeah, I'll mention, I'm definitely going to mention that to him for sure. Cool. Cool. That'd be great. Awesome. Oh my goodness! Wow. Thank you so what much. A, yeah, Kurt, this, cool. this has right, really let's been. Let's go to the cat and fiddle. Here, yeah, let's do it. Let's go to the cat and fiddle and uh, get some of that spaghetti factory. Uh, spaghetti factory had a great brown butter sauce. Do you guys remember that? 
extra cheese brown butter sauce on the oh. pasta. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the sourdough bread with the garlic butter. Yeah. And the spumoni ice cream. Yeah. You like, do you guys remember that? Not only do you remember it, I'm going to tell you what's in it. The sides. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are cool. I like the show. I like you guys. You. And so let's stay in touch. If you guys ever want to talk again about anything, just, you know, reach out. You got my, my info. Keep it. And, I'm, you know, I'll be around. That would be great. That would be great. And if we ever track down RJ, we could get a little. Uh... Get him on. Get him on there. <laughs> have you guys have you tried to get Jean Claude on? Have you have you reached out to him? Not yet. Um, but yeah. that, that that is definitely down the road. Something we wanna we wanna see because uh, you know we want to know his beginning story, not not the middle and the end, but the beginning of how he got to where he is. You know how he got on that movie. Yeah, right. incredibly uh, driven. I mean, he knew he wanted to be a martial arts star. When he got his first job at, um, after that, I think it was Canon Films uh, Bloodsport, yeah. and he, he kept waiting for Menachem Gol- yeah. Golan, whatever his name was, at Canon to come out of the office, yeah. you know? And he came up to him and he goes, I am Jean-Claude Van Damme. I am the next action film star. And he threw a sidekick over his head, you know? <laughs> That's how he, he, he met the I, You know, he, uh, there, they, there was a release party at this place called Dark Delicacies on Burbank. It's like a DVD. They, they do, they cult film stuff like that. So they do like DVD releases where the actors are there and they do a Q&A. And they did one for uh, his film, um, Lionheart. And the entire cast showed up. He wasn't there, but but the entire cast showed up. And one of his good friends, I forget the, the actor's name now, he was, uh, he's been in a, a bunch of Jean-Claude's films, but he and Jean-Claude came out here together from brussels yeah. and they told the story he told the story about how he and jean claude were homeless and they slept on the beach in santa monica and they stole uh, cans of tuna from the the vons here on lincoln and uh which was like a safeway at the time and they 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 ate a rotisserie chicken in the vons so they didn't have to pay for it you know yeah. and uh and and then and then and then security stopped them and said hey you guys are taking t- cans of tuna and he's like look you guys look like you're good guys uh i got a buddy of mine and they're like well we're fighters we're kick you know we want to be the next action stars and he's like well i got a friend of mine who owns a kickboxing studio uh in in, in venice Maybe you guys can sleep there if you clean the floors or whatever. And that's where they hung out for a, like a month or so. No. And they cleaned the heck out of this place. And uh, and that's kind of where everything started, I guess. And and the guy's like, yeah. you know, I'm going to write my book someday. I'm going to write my book someday. I'm like, write it. <laughs> you know, yeah. get it out there. So. He had an old 68 uh, beat up Mustang, not Mustang, uh, beat up uh, Volkswagen that had different colored bumpers and it was all pieced together. And it literally had a dead battery. So every night when he would leave, I had to push him to to get it going, pop the clutch and and take off. He didn't have any, he ended up meeting, I think he was married in Belgium and then divorced, came, she, she owned a gym, that girl. And then he came here and he met some uh, Persian girl. He married her. Um, and then divorced her. And then he did that photo shoot with Gladys Portuguese for like muscle and fitness or something, yeah. married her yeah. and he divorced her and he married <laughs> another one. And, and so I'm at, at house of blues one day, one night and I'm on general hospital and he's doing something and we're there for some reason. I get a tap on my shoulder. I turn around and he goes, Kurt, it is me. Did he wink after you did that too? Did you know, yeah, probably. Uh, and, and he had that. Uh, Darcy, Darcy, I think was her yeah. name. God, that's funny. My wife, Darcy. And now then he went back and married Gladys again. Yep, yep. He he had a like a little reality show for a minute on Showtime. Uh, it's 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 highly entertaining. I will say that he's a you know he's an animal lover too. He's like, yeah, he's a guy. He's 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 a dynamic dude. 
but Kurt, th- thank you, man. Thank you so much for being on our show. And, um, and yeah, th- this is, this is definitely the, the, the beginning of many more in the future. Well, well, good luck to you guys. I hope, uh, I hope everything explodes for you and you guys, you know, do very well. Good meeting you guys. All right. Likewise. Thank you, sir. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win, even in the 80s. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four... Is it five-star rating? (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really... Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great, too. And you can find us on the Internet. <laughs> Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. Let's go, guys.